Well, good morning. Good morning, Bridge. Thank you for joining us today online, online today. Um, before I get started, I just want to say to the Bridge Church, what an incredible family. Um, you guys are unbelievable. You mean the world to me. I, I, I love you very, very much, very much. Today, let me just say, I'm glad to report as you're watching this um, today, we ought to count our blessings because as far as I know, all of you are safe and healthy. <clears throat> I'm also super proud of you because all of our small groups, which we call link groups around here, um, and all of the, the link leaders um, have already planned for you all um, to meet online using uh, a Zoom video conferencing. It's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a neat thing. It'll be a change, but it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, we're going to meet on a regular schedule night this coming Thursday night at 6 p.m. Um, and I need to share something with you. Link groups are a super important, very important part of who we are. Um, so important to us. It's how we connect with others. It's how we build strong, lifelong, uh, very tight relationships with one another. And also while we're, we're growing uh, our relationship with the Lord. So, so during the coronavirus crisis, um, we put our link groups on overtime, and we're going to do some extra things with the link groups. And every other Tuesday night online, you're going to connect, come and connect. Um, you're going to check in with one another, see how everybody's doing, and, and then dive in a bit and, and discuss the message that you're going to hear just shortly. And since we already have approximately 75% of you are in our link group, and I applaud you for that. That's really cool. Uh, we're in a, a great position to transition during this time frame. However, I'm letting you know now, I'm putting you on notice, those of you that are not in the link group, um, we're, you know, given the circumstances that are going on that we're faced with today, enrollment is back open. Um, go out and, and enroll, jump in, get in a, a link group, join a link group, and be a part of these exciting sessions that are about to come up. <clears throat> I also want to thank um, a huge thank you to our ministry directors, our worship team, um, our production team, and our pastors, because in the last couple weeks, um, they have been working tirelessly to bring the bridge online for you guys. So we can still worship together, so we can uh, still hear the word of God together, so that we can encounter Jesus online together. Over the past couple weeks, the, the impact of this virus has hit, um, really hit, and really hit hard, uh, and the world has been getting hammered with frightening information. The president declared um, a national emergency. Coronavirus has declared, uh, officially been declared, uh, the pandemic that it is. And then all of a sudden, the sporting events start shutting down and the concerts and the conventions and, and the universities and the schools and, and the churches and all of them announced that they're shutting down and canceling and closing their doors. 
all of them announcing that, we're living in unprecedented times. We're living in times that I don't think any of us have ever seen before. This is new territory today. And then, of course, you've got the media that jumps in, and, and then panic ensues from that. Crystal and I kind of being a little bit more relaxed about this after hearing about all of this in the very beginning, all of the rush to the grocery stores and the, the issues, and, the, and they're all running out, and people are, 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 are fighting over things. And so we finally decided we were going to venture out last Sunday. And uh, she and I went and went to Sam's warehouse just to get some basic stuff. And, well, I think you all know what we found. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. With all this news, the stock market um, started spiraling downward. And I just want you to know, we here at the bridge, we're here for you. We're here for you with, with, with uh, God's help. We're gonna help you get through this, this time and this season. So for now, we're following the 15-day guidelines that the president has set forth, and we're not gathering at the church uh, a building today. As you know, we're online. I read some statistics that around safety that I thought were, were, were really cool. I liked them a lot. The first one was, you know, don't ride in, in vehicles because they cause 20% of all fatal accidents. Um, don't stay at home because 17% of all accidents happen there. Uh, don't walk on the streets because 15% of the accidents happen to pedestrians. Don't, don't travel by air or rail or water. 16% of all accidents result from those activities, and only 0.001% of all accidents happen in church. So that's why I'm already getting excited about this whole thing, seeing you guys come back to the church and all getting together. However, in the meantime, once again, I'm truly grateful uh, that we're able to have church online today. I don't think anyone would argue the fact that Life is, um, life is dangerous. <clears throat> Franklin D. Roosevelt said that we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And while that sounds pretty good, it's just not true. There are a lot of things um, that we have to fear in life, and that's obviously evident on a day like today. And if coronavirus doesn't get a hold of us, then at the very least, we've got to fear uh, that we're going to get mugged at the store, um, <laughs> that what's going on with over toilet paper. All kidding aside, there, there's a lot that we have to fear in life. And in God's word, it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25, it says, Have no fear. Have no fear of sudden disaster, for the Lord will be your confidence. God doesn't want you to, to panic. He doesn't want you to get all uptight when you, when you face a crisis. And it could be, you know, uh, this time it's the, the coronavirus, it's the virus, but, you know, there are crises that we encounter throughout our life. Um, crises are inevitable. James chapter one, verse two, it says, when you face trials, not if or maybe when you happen to face a trial, it's when you face trial. 
There are different kinds of crises. There's situational crises. There's relational crises, like when you can't get along between a husband and wife or the parent and the child or something like that. There's emotional crises where on the outside we're cool and calm and collected, but on the inside we're overwhelmed with depression and fear and guilt and regret and worry. Crises could give a rip about who you are. They happen to believers and unbelievers just the same. Matthew chapter five, verse 45, he says, he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Believers, <clears throat> what's happening here is they just have another power to draw from, to pull from in these crises. Now, admittedly, a lot of our problems we bring on ourselves when we disobey God and his word. But some problems, some problems come in spite of the fact that you're doing the right thing. I want to tell you about a crisis that, that happened in Scripture that the disciples find themselves in while absolutely doing the right thing. They're following Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat, and they obeyed, and they sailed right into a storm. They, they were obedient and still, and still experienced a crisis. It was a beautiful day in Galilee. Crystal and I were there and we were waiting to take a, a boat ride that we had been looking forward to on the Sea of Galilee. And they came up to us and they said, hey, the winds are picking up and we're not sure if we're gonna have to cancel this boat ride or not. We, luckily, we were able to go out and I really wanted to, to go out on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked on the water. Peter tried it was, just, uh, it was an awesome experience. But in this story that I want to share with you, it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 25, it says, Without a warning, a furious storm came up. And a crisis is just like that. You, you can't see it. You can't see it coming. Uh, and, and what's really scary is we don't know what, what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen uh, the next day or the next week. Or we don't know what's going to happen the next month or even the next year. But here's the deal. When the storm came, it came upon them. In verse 24, the first part of verse 24, we see the disciples' response to all this, the storm. And in the last part of verse 24, we see Jesus' response. I read about two couples. This is a little lesson for the young marrieds that are at the bridge. Both um, of these couples, married couples, for about three years they've been married. Both of them had good jobs. Both of them live in nice places. Both of them attend even the same church. One couple, basically positive, basically you know, um, uh, puts things in their, in their best light. Um, always, the glass is always half full versus half empty. Non-judgmental attitude. However, their lives, uh, uh, not without disappointments, not without problems, but their problems don't keep them from having a happy marriage. It doesn't keep them from having a happy life. The other couple, basically negative all the time, very judgmental attitudes in their life, and let it run their life. And now, both he and his wife are ready to call it quits. Life, guys, was basically the same for both couples. So why, why the drastic 
difference in attitude here. It wasn't their circumstances because their circumstances were basically the same. But it was, <clears throat> it was in how they interpreted those circumstances. Their, their realities were not all that different. They weren't different. But their outlooks, the outcome was drastically different. You can have two people put, put them in the same crises and, re, and they react totally different just based on their attitude. You know, panic about the finances, panic about you know, the kids or about the spouse or about school or about the job or about this or about that. And I'm telling you guys, it's a choice. It's a choice that you make. In verse 24, the first part of verse 24, it says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. That's how big these waves were. And the disciples went and woke him up and they said, Lord, save us. We're gonna drown, save us. These disciples I'm telling you, they weren't novices when it came to this. They were, they were professional fishermen. They actually, even more importantly, they grew up basically on this lake, on the sea. This wasn't just a little choppy water that we're talking about here. I'll never forget when I was uh, just a little boy. We used to go out to the river just about every other weekend, and we'd take the boat out and... <clears throat> We, this weekend, we went with my, some of our best friends, and they had their own boat, and somehow we got near or around or when they had opened the dam or something, and all of a sudden, um, the, the waves become ginormous. I mean, it was unbelievable. These things were getting so big, and, and the, the other family had a little bit smaller boat, two boys in the boat, uh, both of them my best friends or good friends of mine today, and... and um, and we had gotten so scared and so freaked out about it, they, they brought, my parents and, and his parents brought the boat up next to our boat just so the boys could get over into our boat and be safe. It was crazy. It was, it was kind of freaky. This <clears throat> must have been a little bit like what it was, or maybe even a lot worse. This was a life-threatening storm something that they hadn't noticed. Even the pros, listen to me, even the pros panicked. The Greek word for the storm, the word storm that was used here is the word that we use for seismograph. That kind of gives you a little bit of idea. The word literally means violent shaking. It was the waves swept over the boat. They were so strong. That's a scary situation. So they panicked. Now, I want to compare that reaction to Jesus' reaction. It says that storm, that same storm came up on the lake and the waves swept over the boat. And in the last part of verse 24, to see what, let's see what Jesus was doing. It says, but Jesus was sleeping. He was sleeping. I mean, you talk about a heavy sleeper. Uh, that day when my family were out, I was out on that boat. If we, I mean, I couldn't even fathom out there on that river with all those waves. I couldn't even imagine trying to catch a, catch a little bit of a nap. I mean, that was just, that would have been ridiculous. I mean, we would have been, uh, I, I couldn't imagine keeping my, or closing my eyes for even a second. I was so worried. Much less try to go sound asleep. 
But Jesus was sleeping, and with all of that water that was coming and crashing in upon him, getting, he was in the, in the bottom of the boat, and, and, and getting to the, to the boat, Jesus, as he was sleeping, the water had to be getting him wet. Now, I don't know about you, but getting wet while you're sleeping, that ain't good. That's gonna wake you up like that. I'll never forget my, my father. He liked to try to do all kinds of things, just you never knew what he was gonna do, and Usually, you know how we are, we, during the week, we're, we're up and at him and going to school and all that kind of stuff when we were kids, and <clears throat> my dad must have, for whatever reason, uh, on occasion, some Saturday occasions, for somehow he would beat us up uh, out of bed, and um, if he found that we were sleeping just a little bit too long, he would come, go into the, into the, um, into the bathroom, and he would get the coldest water you could imagine, put it on some on a nice you know, dish rag or a rag or something like that, and he would bring it in, and he would hold it over your head, and what he would do is he would squeeze just enough so that a drop would fall on you, and just that one drop would wake you up just like that. Of course, he didn't leave it at that. Once you were awake, you know, he would squeeze it like that, and you were then for sure up, but Jesus' response to, to all of this was he was sawing logs, did you know that sometimes, sometimes sleeping, my wife's gonna be super happy to hear this, can be a statement of faith? Um, I, I, I'm not gonna worry about it. I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I can't do anything about this situation. I'm going to bed. I, I trust God's gonna take care of this situation. But usually, when, when a crisis occurs, we lose sleep. When a, when a crisis happens, our minds go in all kinds of directions and, and, and we, we lie awake, wide awake in our eyes and, and we're just worrying. I don't think I would surprise any of you if I told you that Americans spend over a half a billion dollars a year on sleeping aids. Why is that? Because we live in a very fearful society. But here we find Jesus in the middle of a crisis, waves crashing down in on him on the boat, and he's sound asleep. How in the world can I get that kind of peace in my life? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How do we face this unexpected crisis that we all find ourselves in? so that we don't panic, but we're filled with peace. The first thing that we've got to remember is that God's close to us. He's close. That, that he's with us, that he's with you, that he's close by. You know, we need to get our eyes off of the crisis and onto Christ. Focus on God's closeness. Notice in verse 23, it says, Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. They're close to him. In the middle of that storm, and who it was, who was it that was in the boat with him? It was Jesus. They were close. If you were in a boat, and God was in the boat with you, would you be afraid? No, you, you wouldn't be afraid. I don't think you would. They forgot who was there. They forgot that God himself was in the boat. If God's in your boat, guys, you're all good. 
you're all good. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was last week, we had, the board was meeting, and, and one of my best friends who helped us start the, the bridge was, was telling us about, uh, we were talking about the crises, we were talking about, you know, being calm and, and through this whole process versus panicking and everything, and he was telling us about a story. His dad is a, an ex or a retired uh, captain pilot for um, TWA. And he was telling us about this story that he actually, he and his wife and his small children at the time were riding on the plane that his dad was actually pilot that day. They were going somewhere. And he looked over, his son looked over and saw this woman who it must have been her first time uh, ever flying because she was gripping the seats and she was just kind of trembling and she was shaking and, and he, he had figured that that's what was going on, that it was probably her first time. And I think he even kind of tried to acknowledge that with her. And, and she said, yeah, it was the first time. She was just all nervous and everything. And so Phil, my buddy, he, he decides, you know what? I want to get the stewardess over here, and I want to talk to her for a minute. And he does this without this woman knowing. And he says, hey, I just want to want, go up to tell my dad and let him know that we've got a first-timer here. And she is really nervous. And so just moments later, the captain, Captain Black, comes up on the phone, on the, on the intercom, and he says, hey, I just want everybody to know, you can relax, lay back, relax, we're going to get to our destination, trust me, I've got my son, I've got my daughter, and I've got my grandkids on this plane, you're going to get where you need to go, so you can relax. And he saw this woman just kind of, you know, slowly but surely just kind of let loose of that, 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 that grip. And she was, she all of a sudden kind of become, and I've got to tell you something, we have a heavenly father and, and he's, if he's in your boat guys, uh, so to speak, you're good. I mean, if he's the pilot of your life, we can trust everything's going to be okay. Just remember God is close. He's close. The problem is that during these trials and during these crises, we tend to think that we're all alone. Nobody else is with us here. Just like the disciples we forget who's with us. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses one and two, it says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I, listen, I have called you by name, he says. And then he goes on to say, you are mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm gonna be with you. And when you pass through the, the rivers, they're not gonna sweep over you. Translation here, I'm with you. No matter what the situation, I'm with you. I'm with you here today. God is with you. And if God is with me, what in the world am I worried about? If God is near, there is no fear. Because God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. So while the waves are crashing in all around us, while the news all seems to be bad, just remember Who's in your boat today? Just remember, he's close. Let me read on in the story in Mark chapter four. The disciples said to, to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Isn't, isn't that typical of us? Don't you care, God? I mean, don't you care that we're in this crisis today? The first thing that we tend to do is we question God's love. The, the, why me? Why, 
Why is this happening to me? Lord, don't you care? Don't you love me? And I'm, I'm telling you guys, the answer is, of course, he loves you. Absolutely, he loves you. Yes, he loves you. I'd like to just tell you, I mean, you just look at the woman, <clears throat> how he displays how much he cares, how much he loves you. The woman who's caught in adultery. They're about to stone her. You talk about a storm. That's a, that's a serious storm she was in. And with just a few words, his, her accusers scattered. He cares about you. Uh, there's a story. You know, it, it doesn't have to be uh, an unbelievable crisis, but a, maybe sometimes it's a simple thing even. Uh, there's there's some, some guys that are out, and they're doing the Lord's work, and they're, they're, they're making up camp. This is in Scripture. And <clears throat> while they're making up camp, they got to cut down some trees to make room and all this kind of thing so they can get you know, space. And they're out, they're out there cutting. And while they're cutting and they're chopping, the, 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 the axe head flies off and goes into the water. <laughs> and now it's gone. And now it's just, oh, well, it's a little bit inconvenient that, you know, um, you know we're not going to be able to finish up here and cut. But he tells the prophet what happened. And the prophet says, where did it go in? And after just a moment's time, all of a sudden, now this is the scripture. I'm not making this up. The axe head floats to the top. Now, I gotta tell you guys, he cares about us. It may not be the most difficult thing, you know, or that we're facing or whatever. It may not be the big crisis, but he still cares for you. I mean, he fed 5,000 when they were hungry as he was teaching them. Uh, a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years with one touch. You talk about, that's a life storm right there. A lifetime of storm. And, and just with one touch, he heals the woman. Hezekiah prayed uh, for a longer life, and God cared enough to give him and extend his life. Jesus wept when he saw his friends' uh, broken hearts as they were uh, crying over, over the fact that Lazarus was dead. He cares about us. Jesus cared about the unlovable Zacchaeus, uh, the, the, the guy who was basically cheating out all these people. All of his town, uh, his, his comrades and his the people that he lived with. And yet, he loves even those who, who do something like that. He cares about them. He brought them. He had dinner with him. In 1 Peter, guys, in chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all, all your cares, all your anxiety on who? On him. Because he cares for you. That's 1 Peter, chapter 5. You have no idea, listen to me, you've got no idea how much God cares about you. You have no idea. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses four through seven says, surely he hath borne our, gift, our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity, on Jesus, the iniquity of all of us. He, he was oppressed. He was afflicted. 
yet he opened not his mouth when they were doing all this. He, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. Guys, he did all of this for you. He cares about you. That he, he didn't try to defend himself. He could have stopped the crisis that he was in and one, one word, just one word, but he allowed them to beat him almost to death, to nail him to a cross. He suffered and died all because he cares so much for you. I, I try to explain it, I, 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 but I can't do it. I just can't do it. The Bible says it's, it, his love, is, his care is wider, it's greater than, than anything that you can imagine. Just how much God cares for you. In Psalms 112, 6 through 8, in the Living Bible Translation, the, the believer, it says, the believer that you and I will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all those that see it. He does not fear, listen to me, he does not fear bad news, nor live in dread of what may happen. For he has settled in his mind that God will take care of him. That is why he is not afraid, but can calmly face his foes. In a crisis, you need to remind yourself over and over again that God cares about you, cares about getting you through what you're going through. Notice it says, when you relax in God's care, you don't, you don't have to fear the bad news. There's a lot of bad news in this world today. Today, the media uh, delivers that bad news basically right to your fingertips instantaneously. This generation is flooded with bad news instantly. Like no other generation we know, when, when a plane crashes almost before it hits the ground, we're knowing about it. It's that crazy. Amber alerts and, and hostage taken and a gunman goes crazy and an earthquake just occurred. We receive you know, much more negative input than people did 50 years ago. And that right there has created a crazy high level of fear in our society. That verse says the person who seeks God's constant care and relaxes in it does not fear bad news. It says he can calmly, calmly face whatever happens. My final topic today in Mark chapter four, verse 39, Jesus got up, it says the Bible, it says Jesus got up rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the winds died down, and it was completely calm, completely calm. What incredible power that Jesus demonstrates on nature the, the storm about to capsize the boat, and Jesus says, quiet, be still. The Greek literally means Jesus said, sit down and shut up. Um, uh, Jesus makes up or, or wakes up out of a deep sleep and says to the winds and to the waves, sit down and shut up, and instantly, instantly it's quiet. Instantly, it's calm seas. Now think about that. You, you, 
You go, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I've done it many times. You go out to a lake and early in the morning there's nothing going on and you take a rock and you, you throw it out in there and you see the ripple effect. You see the ripple and it goes out. It takes a little time for that to, to you know, finally uh, go still. Now, the, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a, a, a storm that was unlike any other they'd ever seen. That these waves were just crashing down on the boat and they instantly, they instantly became still. That's amazing power. And Jesus is in control of that kind of power. Nothing is beyond his control. Absolutely nothing. Fear occurs, listen to me, when we feel out of control. When we feel like we can't control the situation. That's when fear steps in. And I want you to listen we all live in this disillusion um, because most of life is out of our control. And so we operate most of the time out of fear. The secret, I'm telling you today, of overcoming fear, according to the word of God, is faith in God. Faith in God. Jesus, in verse 26, said, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Look at what he does. He contrasts fear with faith. Fear with faith. Today, as you all know, they're searching frantically for the antidote to this, this virus. <clears throat> and I'm telling you today that the antidote to fear is faith. He's in control. You have to come to the point in your life, I'm telling you, that you realize, I can't control everything. And that's, that's really a major step of maturity right there. I, I cannot control everything that happens in my life. But I don't have to. It's, it's out of my control, but it's not out of his control. It's not out of God's control. God is in control. In Psalms chapter 91, verses 1 through 5, in the Good News translation, whoever goes to the Lord, whoever goes to the Lord for safety and protection can say to him, you are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you I trust he will keep you safe from all hidden danger. You need not fear. Guys, in just one sentence, could wrap up that verse, maybe even this whole message. We fear too much because we trust God too little. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation, and that's a fact of life. But he also said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I want you to think, <clears throat> as we wrap up here, about this question today. Do you think that Jesus knew that that storm was coming? When he had these guys gather these eyes, he says, get in the boat and, and, and set sail, you know? Do you, do you think that he knew in advance that that storm was coming? And I, 
I'm going to tell you I believe he did. You know, God, God is God. He knows all things. If he knew the storm was coming, why did he allow it to happen? Why didn't he just say before it all happened, peace be still? If he knew it in advance, why did he let it, the crisis happen? Why didn't he at least warn those who, who put their lives in his hands and got in that boat? I, I believe he wants to teach us a truth today. It's a truth that, that, that you have to learn today. And it's truth that the only way that we learn, it is by experiencing it. Apparently, we gotta go through some things to really learn them. I can talk until my, my face is blue, but, but today, the only way that you're gonna learn this truth is by experience. And the truth is, the truth is this. Jesus can be trusted in this crisis. <clears throat> and the only way that you're gonna know this is when you go through the crisis and, and, and you trust him, he can be trusted, guys, in this crisis. I wanna thank you for joining us online today um, and as well, we'll, we'll, we'll go together and, 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 and we'll get together all together. And I, I want you to remember as we do this, you know, from week to week, however long this is going to be that we're going to be online, I want you to remember this, that God is always with you, that, 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 that God always cares for you, and that God is always in control. What? Here are our options. You can be filled with peace or you can be filled with panic. Jesus Christ can calm the restlessness in your heart. Finally, in verse 27, the men, it says, were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And the answer is, he wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a man. The same God who spoke this world, who spoke this universe into existence, was in that boat with those guys that day. And I believe that same God is speaking to someone who's watching today. And I'm asking you, you need to listen, you need to listen, you need to listen. Invite Jesus into your boat today. Invite him into your heart today. While we're all keeping this, what they call this social distance today, God wants you to be close to him. He wants you to get close to him. If you'll open up your heart to him today and invite him to just get close. You know what? It's, it's his spirit in you. Can't get any closer than that that makes you aware that he even cares about you, that makes you aware that, that he loves you, makes you know that, that, that he's in control. And I'm saying today, let Jesus in your boat today.